the Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Good morning, and indeed, this is the Tea Health Show. I'm Dr. Mark, and in studio today, we are very privileged to have Dr. Dave Cotton um, from the Snore Clinic in Rosebank, uh, my right hand. Uh, Sister Elise, and as always, our lovely, vivacious um, producer, Simpiwi. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So we've decided to talk about sleep um, because, Elise, you will agree, so many of our patients that come into our practice, when we do our initial consultations, I want to say 90% of them have some form of a sleep Disturbance. When I ask them, how do you sleep? Most of them say badly. Yes, and I also want to add, um, when we ask the question, they realize, okay, maybe I must think about this. Yeah. And they don't know immediately how to answer that question. And then the percentage go up as we treat them. After a few times, they come back and say, I realize I don't sleep no. well. Dave, what, what we find, and you know what, you've been um, practicing in sleep for the past 25 years. Um, when I ask my patients, I ask a, a simple question. If you say that you sleep badly, is it because you can't fall asleep? Because you can't stay asleep? Or you can't go back to sleep. Is that something that um, is prevalent in, in 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 your kind of work from a diagnostic point of view? Yes, we do do that. Um, we find that the patient, when they fill in their forms, often say, uh, "There's one question: How do you wake up in the morning?" Do you wake up refreshed? Yeah, we also ask that question. Now, they say no. And that's for a reason, because the majority of these people have got sleep-disturbed breathing, which is SDB. Yeah, and it's something that I think we will we'll delve into in a little bit more detail just now. Yeah, okay, fine. So if they've got SDB, firstly, you'll find if you sleep on your back in a supine position your snoring is going to be worse because your tissues fall back. And we'll just briefly discuss snoring shortly. So now what happens is the partner can't sleep. So she gives him or she a, a push. And there have been many, many ladies who come in for treatment as well. It's not only men. But subconsciously that wakes you up. Oh, absolutely. And it disturbs your sleep pattern, your sleep architecture. So you've broken your sleep cycle. I like that word. Yeah. Have you ever heard of some... Sampiwi, the last mm-hmm. time we said um, we're going to talk about sleep hygiene, something yes. that you... that you uh, And now um, Dr. Dave has mentioned sleep architecture, which, um, you know, Dave, I think that's, that's a very big thing. So before we carry on, I want to give a little bit of an overview of just how pervasive sleep and sleep disorders are. Can I just go quickly back to the um, the sleep-disturbed breathing during your sleep? Subconsciously, you are woken, so your cycle stops. But it also happens when you wake yourself up snoring. So your cycle stops again. And then 
The other reason is that you might have sleep, might have sleep apnea. Yes. So what you're going to do is you have to stimulate your brain to start breathing again. So you cough, sit up, move a leg, move an arm. Yeah. Just can can we please talk about the sleep cycle? Because I think that's very important. When uh, you, you speak about the sleep cycle, people need to understand what you mean when okay, the cycle fine. is broken. Well, sleep is divided into two portions. Non-REM sleep and REM sleep. So REM standing for rapid eye uh, movement. movement. Yeah. And so you've got no rapid eye movement and then you've got rapid eye movement. What's the difference between the two? Well, non-REM sleep is divided into three. Some people divide it into four, but uh, some articles, but it's basically three. So initially, you're falling asleep. And that can take up to seven minutes or so. So you, I go up to you and say, Mark, you'll wake up. Second stage, that's the first stage. Second stage is longer. Now I'll have to come up and shake you. And then you get your third stage. Now, your third stage is deep sleep. Why do you have that deep sleep? There's certain functions which go on in your body. In I, 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 sorry that I interject there. All tissue, all tissue, whether it's your heart, your lung, your kidneys, your brain need sleep as a biological essential. Without it, you will not survive. If we, if we keep you awake, the brain will shut down, yeah. tissues will shut down. All functions, metabolism, immune system, and this is very important, immune system, and then obviously the brain function, mood, cognition, all of these are dependent on sleep. And without sleep, uh, they, cannot, they cannot continue. They literally shut down. Well, so I'm, I'm very happy that you said that. All right, so now we got into our third stage, which is deep. Now we're still in non-REM sleep. What happens then is that you secrete hormones in your sleep. And in the third stage. Of in the third stage. And the most important one is the growth hormone. Gonadotropin. That is oh, uh, uh, um, the growth hormone yeah. that's secreted in sleep, in, in the third stage. But also what happens there is like an old motor car. It has to be serviced. So all your organs have got cells which aren't functioning properly anymore. Even your skin is an organ. And what happens is that these cells are broken off. They pass into the bloodstream and then they ex excrete it. But you have to replace them. And this happens when you are sleeping. And now... Some people describe it as a living body functional in a sleeping brain. So that Say that again. That's nice, eh? Say that it's a living, living body, body which is in because you're moving. In a sleeping brain. brain. Now you're moving and we'll see at the next stage what happens in the fourth stage in, in REM sleep. Ah. So we'll, it leads on to REM sleep. So you can move. You you can turn over. And that's the time that you will be doing this. Now we go into REM sleep. Now what is REM? Rapid eye movement. What's rapid eye movement? Rapid eye movement is 
can only be picked up by a, a, a machine. EEG. So it's not about actually moving the eye. It's the, the eyes are moving across like this and jumping. You can't feel it. You can't see it if you look at your sleeping partner. You can't. And your eyes are moving rapidly, rapid eye movement. So what's the importance of this stage? Simply, all your body muscles are relaxed except those functional ones that you need, which are very few. Your eye muscles are rapidly moving. Uh, You might twitch a toe. But basically, your body is anesthetized. Um, it's, it's very interesting. You know what? I, I see this in my partner. Um, you know what? I know immediately when he's going into sleep. And Sister Elise, that spent so many years in theater. Um, and Dave, you, you will know this. When we, when we anesthetize a patient, um, there is a very clear sign for us that we've reached um, a deep enough form of sedation because anesthesia is sedation. And what we do is we sedate you so you fall asleep. And then we take that sedation a step further. And if you go deeper in your sedation, what you, what you create is a state of where you do not feel pain. Elise, am I correct? Now, um, when we did anesthetics, there was that clear sign if you go just beyond uh, sedation, the patient twitches. Um, I, I can't remember what we used to call that, no, Elise, I, I but don't. it was that clear sign. And for me, if, if I feel Stefan is just twitching a little mm-hmm. bit, I know, okay, fine, he's gone. And then he starts snoring. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about the snoring in a moment. Uh, nobody should snore. But we really? all do. Yeah, but... You all do, but yeah. why do you snore? You can have treatment for it. Yeah. Treat the cause. Okay. <laughs> Don't sleep with it. Well, we'll come back to that in a moment. Let me just finish uh, the uh, REM sleep. What happens in REM sleep is that's a stage where you're going to dream. Yes. That's a dreaming stage. Why do we dream? I don't go into dreams. People come in and say, <laughs> I dreamed, I dreamed because this. Because of all our and fantasies. <laughs> no, mine's not fantasies. <laughs> I have and, no and fantasies <laughs> of things flying at me. <laughs> so. well, we'll come back to it in a second. But my wife, bless her, is, she's always dreaming. And she tells me these ridiculous dreams yeah, in the I'm morning. The same. <laughs> anyway. no, but yours are all X-rated in <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's coming to that. Uh, the dreams might be a nightmare. Yeah. Now, I've there is a theory that why, do you, why is your body anesthetized? It's because if you're having a bad dream and you're fighting or killing somebody, you, you, you can do it to your sleeping partner. So that's a theory. Oh, wow. Don't ask me about it, but that's a theory to think about. That's why your body is anesthetized. Um, when you talk about that... Can you also link that with um, when you sleepwalk? 
is, is, is that similar or is that Well, that's similar because it is similar, but I'm not an expert on sleepwalking. <laughs> and that I can't tell you. Uh, I just walked with a fridge, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Midnight so, snack. <laughs> it's, for me, that's, that is there. Okay, so Dave. Can um, I just finish off that? Yes, oh, yeah. we have REM sleep, and this is where we dream in the rapid eye movement, movement. and the body is anesthetized. Why? Why? We said that we shouldn't move, but physiologically, what does that give us? I think that's well, where you go. What's going. happening is that in your brain, now, this is described as the opposite, an active brain, uh, active brain with a quiet body. Uh, is it correct? I always, uh, uh, on that point that you say, I always tell my patients, your brain is more active when you sleep in, than in it rem, is in REM, in rem than it is during the day because that is the time that you have to process all the day's information, etc., etc., etc. So, and and that is if you disturb that REM sleep, that's where things like memory loss, um, cognitive well, it's, it's, decline, etc., happens. There, there's a lot of experiments trying to prove certain psychological problems and things like that because at this stage. Two things happen. The first is that you, what you've learned today is put into compartments and stored in your brain. Yes. And secondly, what happens is that you've got old brain cells. That needs to be replaced. So what happens, they disappear and then you replace them. And that's the, and, and REM sleep is very close to being up, to being not asleep. Because your metabolism is now working and everything, your blood pressure, your whatever's going on is now working in that period. I, I, want, to, I want to just give a shout out to, again, sorry, Stefan. Um, when I say to people, uh, when you are sick, the body only heals itself while you are sleeping. And, and we Dave, all thought it's, it's an old maid's tale. Um, and this is exactly what you just confirmed when you are sick it's not just good enough to try and rest by lying actually you know what go into and we'll talk about sleep hygiene a little bit later on go into a cool dark room you know don't rest sleep Sleep. because that is when the body repairs itself um okay so I just have one. Are you done with the second stage of REM? Oh, REM, yeah. That's, that's REM. And now uh, what I'd like to do is just go into a little bit of anatomy. But okay. anyway, ask Can you. I just want, ask yes. one question? I take myself for it as an example. I never take seven minutes to fall asleep. No, well, it's, it's a basic figure. I, uh, when my uh, head hits the pillow, some, I'm gone. Yeah, but some articles are five minutes. Okay. So... Um, you know, but one of the things that I will discuss later, what I want to discuss later with you, are the two biggest tests that we do for uh, disturbed sleep, sleep, sleep disturbed breathing. SDB. Okay. Um, and that is the multiple sleep latency test. And it's, I don't think it's something that's widely done in South no. Africa. Um, and then your uh, polysomnograph. But before we go that, Simpiwe. Yes. How many, how, 
How big is the percentage? How many people do you think suffer from sleep disturbances or sleep disorders? I would guess quite a large majority. So I would say maybe 80% of people. The problem mm. is you've got the undiagnosed cases. Yep. So the people who think they are well, but they're not well, and they live with that for the rest of their life. We, uh, and Dave... I think this is one of your alma maters, is the American Academy for Sleep Medicine. Yeah, well, the dental sleep medicine. Um, and do you know that, simply, 33% of children... What? Children have sleep disturbances and That's do not get age. enough sleep. And it's, it's exactly the same number for adults. But I'm going to give you something that... Moms, dads, listen to this because when I saw this and when I under tried to understand this, uh, it was very scary. 75%, three quarters of high school students do not get adequate sleep. And what's more disturbing is that this is not an occasional occurrence. This is 75% of high school students do not get adequate sleep on a regular basis. Shocking. Well, uh, it, I want to remark on that. Please. The, to sleep properly, your room has to be conducive to sleep. This is, this is where we come to the sleep hygiene, am I correct? Yes. In other well, words, we're jumping the gun, but in other words, what's happening is uh, they're on their cell phone. Okay. They've got a TV screen on. Their computer screen's on. Music? The light is there. Music. Uh, some people have got a notebook next to their bed because when they're sleeping, they think of something, they wake up and they write it. I... I and I'm going to tell you what I do. So I have a little bit of ADD. Never, never formally diagnosed other than in uh, one of these podcasts with our neurotherapist. And don't laugh, St. P. It's very frightening. Um, ask Elise what it is to work with me. It's a nightmare. So um, He doesn't complete his sentences. You need to For me, what I do is... For instance, if I know that I'm going to do something tomorrow, I go through my work um, that I'm going to do the night before. Then I ha but I have a very rigid sleep routine or bedtime routine. And this is something that, again, I would like us to focus on just now. Um, and I know that when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that happens is when I get into the shower... What I've done last night is so front and center in my brain and organized. Um, and I think it, again, speaks to the fact that during our REM sleep, during our sleep, we organize thoughts, memories, etc., etc. And therefore, you know, it's so important. I think so many of our high school students try and cram and stay up through the night because of the amount of work. Um, but the brain then never has time to organize these things. Um, okay, so signs and symptoms. Uh, 
I think signs and symptoms, we, we, we should discuss a little bit of anatomy. So let's start there then. Because that is your basic cause. That's your basic cause of all these things, is the anatomy. So Dave, um, in my mind, Elise, I don't know whether you thought this as well, and we spoke about this earlier. Who snores, Simpiwe? Who are the people that you associate snoring with? Definitely older people. Older um, people, yeah. Unhealthy people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those are my two bets. And older, I get unhealthy. people in their early 20s who snore. I, I've, I've seen teenagers snore sure. and snore badly. In my mind, you know, when I see someone come into my office, the first thing when I see someone who's obese is I immediately sleep apnea. Well, there again, um, the obesity will, I'll show you what it, and, what happens. And that's, that comes down to anatomy. Yeah. So, well, anatomy and the fact of snoring. Yeah. That's so, all hand in hand. So, is snoring like maybe the first sign that we should look into? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because snoring, people say, oh, snoring, so I snore. Oh, so what? My wife can't sleep or my husband can't sleep. Or they go and sleep in a different room. Now, I had a patient who said a wonderful thing to me. He says, you go and sleep in a different room, where's the electricity? You lose the electricity. In the relationship. In the relationship. Ah, We've yeah, had we see that as well. multiple breakdowns of marriages, yeah. relationships, and it's all because of snoring. Uh, and people I, don't regard it as a terrible thing, but it is. Medically, it's bad, because medically, snoring can give you high blood pressure. It can give you a stroke. It can give you cardiac disease, diabetes type 2, loss of libido, kidney dysfunction. Uh, stop there. Say that again. Loss of libido. Impotence, erectile dysfunction, Low libido, absolutely. It's it's one of the uh, in, in our clinic that we work on. Um, this is one of the most prevalent symptoms in both men and women, and that's why we have you here. Because if we ask these people about their sleep, their memory, depression, anxiety, weight management. Well, Quality of life and well-being, all of them have problems sleeping. But now it's also been associated with certain cancers. Ah, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And I've got, you know, whatever I'm telling you now, I have proof for, not in a local magazine you pick up at a store, but scientific articles. And I've got them all filed. And when the patient comes in and says to me, and I talk to them like this, they look at me, I say, you want the proof? Sit down for a half an hour afterwards and just page through this file, and you'll see your proof. Which, and on top, which cancers, Dave? Uh, I can't remember the exact ones. Types uh, of cancers? Yeah, there's, it's a multi there was somebody in Italy and somebody in San Francisco working at the same time on this, and they both came up positive. Okay. I've got a, the so R could it be something to do with the decrease of oxygenation Absolutely. and the increase of the carbon dioxide? Absolutely. And you know what? Again, when we don't breathe properly or if we do not sleep, the repair of T 
tissue. We, you know what? Uh, we talk a lot about telomeres, where, where the telomeres are the ends of your DNA strands. Where, and those repair yeah. during sleep at nighttime. Well, you need your oxygen. Absolutely. So, very simply, the tongue is a huge muscle. And we look at the tongue, just open your mouth, that's the tongue. Not. It extends all the way back. Now, the tongue is attached to the mandible, which is the lower jaw. There are many muscles attached, but the tongue is attached to the mandible. And on the side of your face, you've got the masseter muscle, which is a very, very strong muscle. This is the muscle, just to explain to patients, this is the muscle. Dave, you're a dentist. This is one of your your, yeah. your facial anatomy knowledge is, is incredible. This is when you bite on your back teeth and um, the widest part of your jaw at the angle, just in front of your ears. Those are the masseters. Yeah, it's extend from the temporalis area yeah. down. So it's from the temple area down. And then inside the mouth, there's various muscles as well. But the two important ones are the pterygoid muscles. There's two heads. So they're inside the mouth. Now, we said that muscles relax in REM sleep. So if they relax, then you lose tone on your lower jaw. This is why your mouth falls open slightly. When you see your partner sleeping... Have a look. You'll see the mandible has fallen back. Some people a lot. Some people just slightly. And as you said, the mouth can be open. It doesn't necessarily be open, it, but it's open. So when it does that, it collapses against the back of your throat. It falls backwards, especially yeah. if you're sleeping on yeah. your back. That's even worse. But you can snore sitting in the lounge. You can snore on your side. Or in church. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> the worst is when you snore yourself awake in the back of a church. <laughs> as long as nobody else hears. No, the problem is everyone hears. <laughs> well, this is what I say is that when you go on an airplane and you see a man or a woman sitting and watching movies all night, they're not doing it because they can't sleep. They're doing it because they're ashamed that they snore and they've been told. And if you ask them, I'll tell you. But this is why w the device that I do is the most wonderful thing. You don't snore. It's a mechanical device, but we'll get to that. Anyway, uh, where were we up to? Okay, so now, when you get the blockage here, there's an additional blockage because your soft palate in a snoring person for some reason, and it's supposed to be hereditary, grows down. Now, your soft palate should normally be above your tongue. So when I look at your mouth, I can see the back of your throat. Uh, when you open your mouth. mouth yes. Yeah. Now, with a snorer, you can't see that. And even when you push out your enlarged tongue, because invariably, always, in a snorer, the tongue is enlarged. Is this partly because they open their mouths and the tongue dries out? No, no, not at all. What happens is that your palate, instead of sitting above your tongue, now drops below the tongue. Okay, but why does that, does that cause a pressure effect? Well, now what happens, you go into REM. Palate is muscle. 
Yeah, but why does the tongue enlarge? What are the, the causes tongue of the enlarged tongue? The tongue is supposed to be hereditary. But, but, I have an article. Yeah. Tongue is a fatty organ. There's so a lot of fat in, in it. fat people, the tongue, tongue is enlarged. Bigger. We do the BMI. Every patient, body mass index. Every single patient, body mass index. I, I have to be honest with you. I disagree with the accuracy of a body mass, mass index. If you look at, for instance, uh, a sportsman or a bodybuilder, they will have an elevated body mass index, but with a very low fat percentage. So you, I think when yeah, you I talk about you. body mass index, uh, you know what? If if you normal built with a normal body mass index, it's accurate. If you're a bodybuilder, your body mass index doesn't make sense. Yeah. But if you're a overweight person or an obese person who's flabby, you know what? If you wear anything bigger than a size thirty six pounds, I think your body mass index is. Is fairly accurate. Do you agree? I agree with you fully. But also, somebody's got a bigger bone than so your femur, your your leg bone could be bigger in you than me. Immediately, so Elise is looking at. <laughs> yes, Elise. <it> so, <laughs> so in other words, it's not an accurate. But I don't do it on sportsmen. I do it on the average person that comes in. Yeah. So, so and some of them are. There is a formula, but there's a certain. Medical aid, which has got a ridiculous BMI. I don't know who worked it out, the chart. But there is a formula for BMI, in it which we adhere to. So what happens is your palate drops below your tongue. Now you go into REM sleep, and it drops even further. And then I ask them, there's a, a scale called the Friedman sleep scale as well and that gives you the enlargement of the palate so they stick their tongue out we put a, a, a tongue depressor in can't see anything are you still seeing soft palate and you're not you're seeing, seeing the back pharynx of no, not at okay. all say so R sometimes Being you can see does it open. not necessarily they so deep down and then you can see the, the tonsils as well. Because a large tonsils also interferes. Now what happens, the danger of this is that you accumulate carbon dioxide. Yes. And you lack oxygen. Yes. So the brain picks this up and says, breathe. And you say, I can't breathe. So basically I'm showing them, <laughs> uh, you've got your tongue and mandible. Attach, uh, hitting the back of your throat Okay Now you've got your palate going down So you're causing you're, an obstruction And a seal Obstructive basically. sleep apnea Obstructive snoring Okay That's where the name comes from Okay Okay So now The brain says Well pull in the air At a greater velocity Which means that suddenly I have to activate muscles in my diaphragm as well as the chest, that <gasps> gasp. Yeah. So now what happens when you do that, the palate vibrates. Causing a snoring effect, a sound. Now do it yourself, <laughs> through your mouth. Breathe and you'll see. I've never be been able to do that. It <laughs> never happens to me. Well, I, pra <laughs> <laughs> I practice a lot. <laughs> 
I practice a lot. So that's where your snoring sound comes from. Not from the nose. Not from polyps in your nose. Not from your sinuses. It comes from literally a vibration of a membrane. So it's almost like a a flag that's flapping flapping in the wind. wind. So that's what's happening. Um, Dave, I I, I want to move on because I want us to get to sleep tests etc etc but i asked you present but we haven't touched on the other symptoms see. yes i want to to ask mm. um and how do most of our patients present but before i get to that when we were sitting and sometimes i wish we can record our pre pre studio conversations you mentioned something very interesting um, I asked you, I'm sitting in Pitsunavater. Um, I have no medical aid and I have no access to a sleep clinic like yours. Um, how do I know if I have a big tongue? Because you said something that was very interesting. Well, you can look in the mirror. Open your mouth very slowly and see where your tongue lies. Don't move your tongue. That's the, that's the secret, is not to move the tongue. So... And you'll see where your tongue is lying in the mirror. That is an important factor, and the enlarged uh, palate is an important factor. But the basic thing is that it has to be examined, and you have to be tested according to your symptoms. But you mentioned something about scalloped tongue. Yes. The tongue is enlarged, and it lies on top of your teeth. But when you close your mouth, There's no room for it. So it lies against your teeth. And that scallops, like if it lies against a molar, it'll form its own shape in your tongue. If you've got a premolar, it'll form its own shape. And if you look at your patients, just look at their tongue in a relaxed position, you'll see a lot of them have got the scalloped. Okay. So... Other things that... Scalloped around the edges. Around the sides of the tongue, the lateral surface. Yes. One of the things that that I remember, because uh, you mentioned that it it can be genetic. I come from uh, a family where I had a mother that was 5 foot 2 and weighed 52 kilograms, but, you know what, could scare hippos. Uh, with her snoring. My brother snores badly, but I've always had difficult, when I say always, from school I had difficulties sleeping. Not so much snoring or or apnea, but... um, Can I interfere there? How do you know snoring and apnea? How do you know you don't have it? How do you know? Because the people that I've slept with said to me that I'm sleep sound like a baby. It's like <laughs> but being next to. <laughs> and, I, I, and, I sleep and with my arms crossed in a coffin. <laughs> <so> <laughs> no sound comes out. No, but you know what? I've I've always had problems sleeping. So one of the things for me is uh, I can't keep my legs still. That's one. Okay. But that creates a lot of anxiety. What are signs that the man that's listening to this should look out for to say, hey, maybe I should go and see my GP about a sleep problem? Right. So, I don't know where to start. Sleep apnea. 
is a very important factor. Now, snoring can lead on to sleep apnea. Just explain apnea. That's the lack of breathing. Sleep apnea is when you stop breathing for 10 or more seconds per hour. But there's two different types. Yes, we're coming to that. So you get central, which is from the brain, which can be treated by a neurologist. And then you've got obstructive, like the snoring. That's what you've just explained to us. With a tongue and the palate. Now, you've got the two. Now, the obstructive comes in different forms. You get an AHI. So, you, let's say you go for a sleep test, a polysomnograph. What happens is you get your results back. And the first result on the side of the page is your AHI, apnea, hypopnea, index. Hypopnea means breathing slower. I have a hypopnea. I like breathe through a straw. So in other words, I'm not getting the oxygen that I require. But it's not an obstruction. It's just it's a partial obstruction. A, a smaller volume of yeah. breathing. Is that That's I, definitely smaller volume? Okay, so small. So you have stop breathing or breathing with small volume. Yeah. Okay. So now your AHI is the amount of times you stop breathing. We add the two together. Mm-hmm. And they get an average of the time you slept, and then you get a figure. So from 0 to 5 on the AHI scale, it's normal. 5 to 15 is mild. 15 to, I like 26, 27, but the books say 29 is moderate, and then it's severe. Is that almost the same as your Epworth sleep scale scoring? No, Epworth sleep scale just gives you an Different. indication. Okay, we'll, we'll get well, to that. that oh, that's an indication. That's an indication of how you're going to treat. Oh, okay. Because if you're above 10, 10 or above, then you need a sleep test. I will not okay. treat so a we'll, we'll talk about All that right. sleep test because you say that you always start with it. But yeah. let's so, go back. Um, if you, according to the American... I need to use American figures because I'm qualified in America as well. I've got a double degree, South African and American. And um, I only use the American figures. Is this the American Dental and Medical uh, Academy for Sleep Sleep Disorders? Yeah, Yeah. it's the dental one. So they say, and the American medical say, that the gold standard of treatment of sleep apnea is a CPAP machine. Continuous positive Positive airway airway pressure. pressure. That's literally when something or someone is blowing down your throat. The machine blows for you. The machine breathes for you. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, it's very sexy. People, (laughs) if if they can wear it, but you know, the latest figures is that between 30 and 50% of people do not wear it. Or do not wear it correctly, or it's not calibrated correctly. Absolutely. What it does, is today the machines are, are automatic. So you get an automatic machine, it'll calibrate for you. Yeah, it t- they titrate it according to yes. your need. But many, many, many people do not need to wear it. It's a business. It's a $6 billion business in America. $6 billion. So at the last figures, it's very interesting when you say that, um, 
because when we come to sleep testing, um, it's something that we know. And I don't know whether you, uh, obviously you will deal with it a little bit more, um, medical aids and sleep. Um, so, Biwi, you wanted to ask? Yes, before something? we get into the sleep testing, um, another common term that we always hear is napping. Like people always want to take a nap. So does that also fall well, part of this conversation? Absolutely. Want to napping is an indication of a, a form of sleep apnea. It's it's excessive what what we call, Dave correct me if I'm wrong, excessive daytime sleepiness. Yeah. And we'll to define one. that it's if you fall asleep for no reason or if you can sleep or uh, feel sleepy when other people are alert. It's like me sitting in a conference. Gone. Uh, you know, it, yeah. so... Um, well, it could be a form of, of mild apnea. But let's go back to those figures. So 0 to 5 is normal. 5 to 15 is mild. 15, well, let's take it to the book. 29 is... Uh, moderate. Is moderate. And then you get severe. Now... Severe is treated by the CPAP, as I said, but you can treat. People don't wear it. It's too uncomfortable. It is the gold standard of treatment, definitely. But today it's falling away a little bit because people do not wear it. They have to wear it for about four hours or more. And they take it off. They find it next to their bed. And they wake up in the morning. They don't even know. Yeah, I, I, I can just imagine. Yeah. I can't sleep with a shirt on, never mind something on my face. Yeah, exactly. So what happens Me now also. is <laughs> we make an oral appliance. Now, with that oral appliance, you can breathe, and it generally stops your snoring. So it's comfortable. I, 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 that would be my first question to you, because as a dentist, you you must see, and I wanted to get to this at some point, was, for instance, grinding or bruxism. Um, for me, I have so many patients that come in, and as an aesthetic practitioner, uh, you know what, I have to treat bruxism, which is very tight, painful, temporomandible joints, uh, masseters, temporalis muscles, uh, which can lead to tension type headaches. Which, Migraine. when translated, mean the side muscles of your face. And, um, you know, but the first thing that the dentists give him is a bite plate. And for me, Sapira, I'm going to ask you this and just stay on topic, okay? What's the first thing that you do when someone puts something in your mouth? <laughs> Not suck, bite. <laughs> am I or am gag. I right? Or we, gag. But uh, Dave, isn't it true that when when someone puts something in your mouth, you 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 bite down on it? Well, you know, it's something that you have to get used to. It's a night guard, and why they give you that night guard? Because it opens your bite by two millimeters, say. So that will now relax your masseter, but because it can't close. But you don't. It's it's. Look, a lot of these things we don't enjoy yeah. that you have to do. Okay, so your device yeah. that you've designed yeah. does what? What I'm picturing in my mind is this 
doobie finger just stick no, on your no, mouth. Unfortunately, I didn't bring any photographs of it, but it's a very simple thing. I wear one. If I don't wear my device every night, firstly, I do snore a bit, and if I don't wear it every night, I can't work off three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, I can't so keep Pee, my head up. You wanted to ask? No, I wanted to ask. Once you've gotten the device, like, is this something that's always going to be part of your life, or is it like a? You never, you can never cure snoring or sleep apnea. Maybe in that's fifty years' terrible. time, maybe they'll find something that will be a cure. What Twenty about, years' time. One of know. the things that I that we discussed this morning earlier was possible treatment modalities, and I said to you, you know what, are we still doing? Surgery for snoring and apnea. You know, the the procedures that we do, especially on children, um, would be tonsillotomies, where we we remove part of the tonsils, things like that. Um, Your device works differently. How does it keep the airway open? Is it bringing the jaw forward? All right. So what happens with the kids? Let's just start with the kids. Is majority of them are in large kissing tonsils. Yeah, that's... So we take that, that out. We take but them out. I must warn people that kids suffer from sleep apnea. 33% of children sleep have apnea. sleep problems. Yeah. A lot of them is because of apnea. And then your child is diagnosed with, with ADD, and it's not. It's their sleep pattern. Absolutely. So it's very similar symptoms. And they become bad at school. They don't do their homework. Why? Because they're exhausted in the afternoon. Absolutely. Well, they're having good in, in the morning, in the, never mind yeah, in the afternoon. They're not getting their oxygen. So they don't do their homework. They're abusive. They're bad-tempered, whatever it is. That's Disruptive. because that child hasn't been recognized. They take him to the doctor and he puts him on pills. But the cause hasn't been recognized. And it's very common. Mm. But that's for adults. That's applicable to adults, adults as, well. as well. I've got a patient, a gentleman from the Congo, who's taking these heavy medications given by somebody. Psychiatrists. Oh, I didn't want to say it. No. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you because we deal with the same type heavy, of patients. Heavy, but heavy. We tested him. He's got sleep apnea. Absolutely. And that leads to depression Anxiety. Absolutely. One, one of the things that, and I, I, I presume that um, one of our, uh, our friends in our office, Dante, is listening. Um, Dante has sleep uh, disorders, but more from a psychological part. I'm too scared that I'm not going to sleep. Um, sleep deprivation is, there's a reason why it's a torture, um, because it drives you Insane. Look, you think you can't sleep. So now you get your insomnia. We're jumping around, but it's okay. So now you've <laughs> so got much your insomnia. to talk about. <laughs> yeah. You know, I went to my first radio show was on 702, and it was at night. And the, <laughs> the presenter fell asleep, is what I think you're going to say. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the announcer said, This is a fun program, it'll take 15 minutes. An hour and a half later, I was still answering questions on the telephone. <laughs> well, this is why we decided that this is a two-part yeah. um, uh, 
series because there is so much information. Unbelievable. But Dave, we are we are running um, out of time, so I would like us to summarize uh, some of the points that we had, and maybe then just touch on the points that we will be discussing in our next one. So, um, sleep is now classified as um, a public health problem. Okay? Um, the, the etiology of it is far-reaching, like you just said. It's not only obesity. It's uh, not only musculature. It can be various reasons. Just to ask about the various reasons, does your bed and pillow play any part Absolutely. in how this affects you or contributes to yeah. this? Well, look, you have to have a conducive bedroom. It must be dark. Your, if you've got a, 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 a pillow which is hurting your neck and you can't sleep, or, hot. Or, or a mattress or a hot, whatever it is, you can't sleep. And then the things that we discussed before, and uh, you shouldn't have alcohol before you go to sleep. You shouldn't have a big meal before you go to sleep. You shouldn't nap in the afternoon before you go to sleep because that affects your, your, nighttime, your, your nighttime sleep. But just to quickly say something, uh, did I mention uh, the test? I can't even remember. The test that uh, they did at the Mayo Clinic. No, no. you have not. Ah. Well, there's a very famous um, sleep specialist in Albuquerque in America. And this gentleman works at the Mayo Clinic in New York as well. And they got together and they got 3,000 200 patients with insomnia. Now that's a big sample and they brought them all into New York and they tested them with a polysomnograph and they found, that's the sleep, sleep uh, test, and they found that 92% had SDB, sleep disturbed breathing. Now when they treated that sleep disturbed, what they had where did they get these insomnia patients? Is that they went to their doctor who gave them a sleeping pill, whatever it is, let's say five milligrams, and two or three weeks later, Buck, I can't sleep. I will double it, ten milligrams. And you know what? Then they come back again, and again, and again. So they accumulated these patients, and ninety-two percent had sleep disturbed breathing. When they started treating them. Whichever way, with an oral appliance or with uh, a CPAP, 90% were successful. So the sleeping pills. Now, when I get patients in, four things. Overweight, alcohol, sleeping pills, antihistamines, or no-no. See, um... And this is, this is something that uh, I would like for us to discuss um, in, in our next session. So, if you want to know more about sleep, check out the T-Clinic website. Uh, we're going to um, post 
Dr. Dave Cotton from the Snore Clinic's contact details there as well. You can contact us. It will be on our Facebook page, etc., etc. But just to sum up, if you are a person that suffers from excessive daytime sleepiness, if you are someone that snore or has been accused of snoring. Or is not refreshed in the morning when you wake up. That's the big one. If you do not have restful or refreshed sleep, um, gasping or choking. One point that's very interesting. Excessive nighttime urination, either in the form of nocturia or bedwetting in urethras, is a sign and a symptom that you might have a sleep disorder. Absolutely. So, um, one thing that, and we'll discuss this next week when I think we'll, we'll talk about the, the diagnosis, the physical diagnosis of sleep disorders, where we will touch on treatment protocols, what it is that we can do, et cetera, et cetera. If you can't get access to, to people like Dr. Cotton, um, that's what we'll discuss next week. I would love to discuss with you medication, Dave, and I would like to discuss with you something that's new, and that's the cannabinoids. You know, it's CBD, etc., etc., that's being taken for sleep. I think next week we might bring in our neurotherapist because um, one of the things that I think is so pervasive is not only diagnosing sleep disturbances, but it's managing the anxiety, the depression, etc., etc., that goes hand in hand with it. It's like you said, sometimes patients with insomnia, anxiety, depression, um, are treated for mental health issues instead of having had a sleep test. So, um, Get hold of us. You can get hold of us at the T-Clinic. And if you want to get hold of a snore clinic and Dr. Dave Cotton, he's a dentist with 25 years of experience in sleep and sleep disorders. You can contact them at um, their Rosebank branch. The number is 010-788-5305. As I said, we will have it on our... um, let me correct. See, I didn't have sleep last night. Um, the number is zero double one seven double eight five three zero five, and that is for the Snore Clinic, Vane Rosebank, Doctor Dave Cotton. And if you want to know more, we'll have all this information on the T Clinic website and on our social media pages: Facebook, Instagram, etc., etc. Otherwise, call Dante and Alice zero one zero. Eight two four one three nine three. Dave, it was such a pleasure to have you here. There's so much more that we have to discuss with us. I know that you're doing another radio um, interview this afternoon. Um, I I sincerely hope that um, we can count on you to join us on a regular basis because sleep, as we said, it's a public health problem. It not only has an impact on mental health and well-being, but on public safety and accident rates. So join us next week, Cliff Central, 9 o'clock. Dave, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Pleasure. Thanks for asking. The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show.